This is the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. Hello, friends, and welcome to a Wednesday Wisdom episode of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast with Jay Gordon Duncan. And if you're wondering why the J, the answer is I am not a bagpipe player. And if that joke doesn't make any sense, I encourage you to check out episode zero where I explain that joke as well as the purpose of the This Is Gonna Hurt podcast. But as to today's episode, our Wednesday Wisdom episodes are this. I am sharing the audio of my sermons from the church I pastor, Evident Grace Fellowship in Fredericksburg, Virginia, as well as sermons from churches I have pastored prior, as well as sermons that I've preached at other places. And I'm sharing them with you for this reason. My sermons are usually not too long. They're between 30 and 40 minutes long. And by sharing them with you, it gives you a chance for some spiritual encouragement midweek. So I hope you enjoy it. I hope it's challenging and encouraging, like I said. And if it is, would you please send me a note at uh, gordon at jgordonnuckin.com or maybe even share this sermon online, Facebook, or on your Instagram story. I hope you enjoy it. So let's get to the sermon. Romans 10, verses 14 to 21. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed... Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed, they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth, and their words to, and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With the foolish man, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. I was listening to a pastor this week, and he was, talk- he was preaching, he was talking about a particular passage And he said that the topic of that sermon was red meat for his congregation. And and I thought about that. And he was saying that basically what he was saying is this is one of those topics that the congregation just loves. Then when they get to it, they're just like, "Mm -mm -mm, give me more of that. And so I thought to myself, okay, that's probably the case for most congregations. So what's the red meat for evident grace? Like what's that topic that everyone's like really excited that went ahead on it? So I thought, what are the ones... What are the passages I get the most feedback on? And I thought, well, I know. For evident grace, man, if I start talking about predestination or sovereignty, you guys are like, mm-mm-mm. He's like, give me more of that. I mean, at the end of the sermon, people come up and like, Gordon, that was so good. And I appreciate all the feedback. But man, you guys are like, you guys are like that Golden Corral buffet of steak when I talk about predestination. Like, just lapping it up. Give me more. Give me more. It's like, did you ever see that movie, The Great Outdoors with John Candy? He had to eat the old 96er, that 96-ounce steak. I mean, that's you guys if I'm talking about predestination. Like, mm, give me some more, right? Now, not every congregation is like you. Some want to talk about the Spirit. Oh, my goodness, the Holy Spirit's going to guide your steps, guard your ways, going to protect you. And churches are like, mm, that's like grandma's steak with mushroom and gravy. You're like, mm, give me some more of that, some mashed potatoes and biscuits. Give me some more of that Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the red meat for those congregations, right? 
Some churches love politics. Man, what God's going to do in the right and do against the left. Give me some more of that. That's like one o'clock Waffle House with the double sausage. You know what I'm talking about? It's like the, going to Taco Bell at 1 a.m. You know why you went at 1 a.m. to Taco Bell, but that's what people want, right? That's the red meat for those congregations, right? But there are also the topics that are tofu. Now, don't get me wrong, I like tofu. If I'm at miso and I've got that soup and i got those little chunks of, meat, of tofu in there, that's good stuff. But if you invite me over for a 4th of July steak and you give me tofu, I'm going to be like, eh, thank you very much for inviting me over. There's some topics that are tofu for you guys. Like, I know i got to eat my vegetables, but I really don't want to. In fact, there's some topics that are like that for most churches, and there's one that stands out above the other. You know what that topic is? Evangelism and sharing the gospel. You go, I know I'm supposed to eat vegetables, and I appreciate you for serving them to me, but it's not really what I'm here for, Gordon, and that's just the topics for many of us. But the problem with Romans is this. As much as we love Romans, and all that depth, and all that sovereignty, and predestination, and how bad people are bad, and there are no good people in the world, as much as we talk about Romans really wants you to go share your faith. I mean, you can't get beyond chapters 9, 10, 11 without Paul telling you, hey, you're supposed to go tell people about Jesus. And I'm more and more convinced that as your pastor, I've got to be out in the world telling more and more people about Jesus. Because that's the pulpit, so the people, right? And so I've got to be in front of folks and loving them and sharing Jesus with them and getting rejected and all that good stuff. So that in some way that Matt and I can be working and leading you guys, and when our small groups start studying it, you guys can get it, and all of a sudden you love that tofu. But you want evangelism. You want to share your gospel. You want God to put you in those wonderfully awkward situations where you've got to close the deal and say, this is who Jesus is. And you've got to believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And there's no hope for you in all the world except cast your heart on Jesus Christ. Well, that's where this passage is going. In fact, it's going to talk about evangelism as the beautiful grand design of who you are. It's what you and I are supposed to be doing, is sharing the gospel. And this passage is not only going to tell us why, it's going to tell us how. And my wonderful hope and prayer is that the midst that God doing this at this point in time, and then in a couple of weeks when our EG groups start studying how to share the gospel, that God's going to enable us to actually do it. So in this sermon, I'm going to talk about the practicalities, and I'm going to give you some stories about how it goes well and how it goes wrong. But at this point in time, the red meat for you guys, according to God, is going to be sharing the gospel. You're well equipped. You know Jesus. You know the depth of theology and doctrine. It's time that we put it on the ground and start telling people about Jesus. So here it is, our big picture question. What grand and beautiful mission does God give the church? And we've got three ideas here. We're going to go through the grand question. Then we're going to look at the beautiful mission. And then I want you to remember your stories. Now here's our context. If you haven't been with us or if you forgot from last week, what we see over and over again is Paul is saying that he loves the Jewish people. But he's ultimately broken and busted up because his brothers and sisters don't believe in Jesus. He loves them so much that he would rather go to hell himself if his brothers and sisters and family were to believe in Jesus. And last week we saw it was a very controversial passage. But that passage says, you know what, before God, it doesn't matter. Red and yellow, black and white, all are beautiful in his sight. doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. Everybody stands before God the same. 
They're either under his grace or they're under his judgment. And so that brings us to this week's passage. So first of all, let's look at the question. Let's look at Romans 10, 14 through 15. In fact, in this one, we have four questions. Here we go. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him and who they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Four questions. They actually are sequential and they lead to a bigger idea. But what Paul wants you to know is that if you walk through this, you're going to understand your mission and the church's mission and the broader church's mission. So let's go one by one. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How in the world is anyone ever going to have faith in Jesus if they don't believe in Jesus? That's the ground question, right? If someone doesn't know Jesus, how in the world are they ever going to know Jesus? They don't believe in him. How can you call out in God if you don't believe in him? That makes a lot of sense, right? It's the question we got to ask. My friend who does not know Jesus, my friend who just says it's all the same, my friend who just says religion is weird, my friend who hates Jesus, my friend who hates the church, my friend who hates me, how in the world are they ever going to cry out to Jesus? They don't believe. You can't call out unless you believe, and you can't believe unless you've called out. How in the world does it happen? That's our question. Second question, and how are they going to believe in him in whom they've never heard. Well, if they've never heard how you're going to believe, how are they going to believe? If they've never heard from the Scriptures how in the world someone believes in Jesus, how are they going to believe? That's the problem. People who don't know Jesus don't know how to believe in Jesus. They don't know how to do it. Someone who is not forgiven and saved and has a hope of eternity, they don't know how to do those things. So somehow, they've got to learn how to do it. Third question, and how are they to hear without someone preaching? Okay then, if they haven't heard how to believe, someone's got to preach it. Someone's got to tell them. Now, I want you to know real quick, every time you see preach here, that does not get you off the hook. That doesn't mean we're only talking about the preacher's job. It is the preacher's job, but it's not just the preacher's job. When you and I stand before God, we're standing equal. Remember that? That's what last passage was. I'm not the super guy, and you guys are the lesser guy. That's not it. Every one of you is a preacher. Am I a preacher that's different than you? Yes. We're going to see that in a minute. But we all got to preach. And your friend who doesn't believe in Jesus is not going to know how to believe in Jesus unless you preach Jesus. People will be like, I don't want to be preachy. Be preachy. It's the word of Scripture. Ah, no one likes if someone's preachy. That's not the issue. I'm not asking you to be liked. I'm asking you to preach Jesus. And your friend ain't going to believe in Jesus unless you preach it. So we all got to preach it. Last question. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? You ain't going to preach unless I send you to go preach. And I didn't preach until I was sent to preach. Now, there's two things going on here. This last question is... Ecclesiology, oh, I can't even say it. It's ecclesiology, and it's practical. Let me explain what I mean by that. You guys, today, if you didn't know it, today, I'm sending you to go preach. By all the authority I have, I'm sending you. And your friends ain't going to believe unless you get sent. You're all sent. Don't leave yet, but you're all sent, okay? Of all the authority invested in me and every bit God gives me, I send you 
to go preach. Now, I'm sent as well. I'm sent in a different sense. I'm under authority. I have a session. I have a presbytery. I have a general assembly. I'm connected to our denomination. And they have sent me here. I'm under mission to be sent here. In our denomination, if you want to be a preacher, you got to do a two-year internship. You have to come under the authority and the care of the presbytery. You got to get your master's degree. You got to study Greek and Hebrew. You got to pass six exams in front of a written, in front of a committee, in front of the entire general assembly. Then someone has to want you to be the preacher, and then you get sent. It's an incredible process. I'm thankful for it, and I'm glad I don't have to go through it ever again. So I got sent here. You got sent by Jesus and by me to go tell your friends about Jesus. Because guess what? Your friends will not believe about Jesus unless you tell them about Jesus. Because they don't know how to believe in Jesus. That's what this passage just said. And if your heart's not broken for your friend who doesn't know Jesus, I'm praying your heart gets broken. And don't worry about being preachy. Go be preachy. You know what I mean? I'm not asking you to be judgmental. I'm not asking you to act like you're better than everyone. We just got through the passage telling us that before God, we're all the same. We need Jesus just as bad. But you got Jesus, and your friend doesn't. So don't be judgmental, but be preachy. Tell your friends how to know Jesus. I've told you my conversion story, right? I'm five years old, riding my big wheel. You guys know what a big wheel was? It's like a little plastic three-wheeler, just riding around. Had a little uh, box in the back, and I'd make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, put it in a Ziploc bag, and put it in the box. And we'd ride to the corner, and then we'd sit in the corner and eat our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches like we were the coolest kids in the place of the planet. And my brother says, well, I'm enjoying this sandwich, but Gordon, you're going to hell. And I'm scared to death. I'm five years old. I'm like, what do you mean I'm going to hell? And he's like, well, you don't believe in Jesus. Well, I wouldn't believe in Jesus. So my brother took me back to my mom and dad, and I kneeled down beside the bed on Fifth Street and prayed and believed in Jesus. And I'm thankful my brother told me I was going to hell. Now, that may not be the best way for you, but I'm telling you, if you get a chance to ride big wheels with your friend, do it. It's fantastic. But you've got to tell your friends about Jesus. Because they won't know unless you get sent. And they won't hear unless you preach. And they won't believe unless they hear. The beautiful grand design of God for you is to tell your friends about Jesus. Let's talk about that beautiful mission for a minute. Let's go into this next section. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Let me stop right there. You guys have got ugly feet. I'm just not a feet person. You probably do. Some of you can't stand to be touched by someone else's foot, right? I mean, I don't, it's just, your feet are beautiful. Absolute beautiful feet. Because God has equipped you to go. Foot language is going language. And God has ordained every single step you take. And every single person you bump into is a divine meeting. You don't bump into anybody by accident. This was proven to me last night. Last night, we go to see Landry's winter drumline competition. I don't even know what town it was. Where where were we? We're up north somewhere. I don't know. We, We were up north about 45 minutes. There we go. We're in Dumfries to watch Winter Drumline, which is a lot of fun, by the way, but that's not the point. Now, we're leaving, and we're all starving because I don't want to pay $5 for the baked potato bar at the gym. And we see some place called California Tortilla or something like that. I'm like, that sounds fantastic. 
So we type into Waze, California tortilla. And I'm ready. And we drive to the shopping center, and not only is it not open, it's out of business. I feel very bad for the owners of California tortilla. We had one option, it was Chick-fil-A, and I did not want Chick-fil-A again. I was just done. I was burned out. But that was the option. Like, okay, let's just go through drive through and let's eat it on the way home. But there's 10 cars in drive through and literally no one inside the store. So I'm like, all right, let's go into the store, but I want to get this food, and I want to get in the car, and I want to go home. So we'll get it to go. So we go inside, and we get it, and then we stop for a minute and do a couple things, and then we go, you know what, let's just eat here. Like, we're here. It's a lot easier. And then while we're eating there, I'm eating, and I look up, and there's someone there that looks familiar to me. I'm like, Amy, I think that's Philip Strickland. Who? I was like, we went to kindergarten together. I think that's Philip. So what do you do? You get on Facebook, and you go, is this him? Is this the guy? And we're like, it's Philip Strickland. We went to kindergarten together. We used to dress up and lip sync Iron Maiden's Live After Death. For It was fantastic. Yeah, it was a good album. And so I go up to him, and I'm like, Philip? And we're like, bro, we're like hugging it out, and we're sharing stories. What's going on with you? Where are you? Where's Jason? Where's Chris? Where's Robin? That kind of thing. You see all the steps we had to get there. We were going to California Tortilla. We were going through drive through We were going to go in and get takeout, but we didn't, and then we bump in to each other. Every single moment of your day is just like that. You may not be bumping into Philip Strickland, but God has ordained every single moment, step, and interaction of your day. Why? Because your feet are beautiful. Your feet are equipped with the beautiful mission of telling people about Jesus Christ. There are no accidents where you go. There's none. Your feet are beautiful because God has sent you to go preach Jesus to every single person you have the opportunity to bump into. Verse 16, but they've not all obeyed the gospel. Now listen, nowhere in this is the promise that you're going to share Jesus with a bunch of people and they're all going to believe. Not at all. You don't even have Hall of Fame numbers. You get in the Baseball Hall of Fame with about a 310, 315, probably not even that, friends. No promise that they're all going to believe. But the beauty is in your calling. Your beauty is in your calling. That the Heavenly Father who desires to bring to Him and create to Himself a people has ordained that you are going to be the one to proclaim Jesus to other people. Your beauty is in your calling. We don't do this because we assume everyone is going to believe. We don't do this because we think everybody, I've got the perfect way to do it. We do it because we have a beautiful calling to share Jesus with others. Not everyone's going to believe. Your feet are beautiful. Your steps are beautiful. Your mission is beautiful. And we pray, pray, pray that people are going to believe in Jesus. We leave that part up to God. Our part is faithfulness and obedience in every single step. All the way from our kids in school, all the way up to our retirees and every single thing in between. You have a beautiful mission to share Jesus Christ. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed what he's heard from us? Isaiah was like, God, I don't get it. You told me to go tell them about you, and they don't believe. Why am I doing this? I love Isaiah. He's like, God, this doesn't seem to be working. And Isaiah is hearing from God, I didn't tell you 
what the results were going to be, I told you to go be faithful. I didn't promise you you were going to be successful. I promised you that you had a good and beautiful and glorious mission. Isaiah is like us. He's like, God, I don't want to be rejected. Isaiah is like, I'm tired of being rejected. People don't like me, God. He's like, hey, I didn't do this for popularity for you. I did this because you have a beautiful mission to share people about Jesus. Verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This is the therefore statement after all these verses. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. The only way that someone is going to come and have faith in Jesus is if they hear the words of the scriptures. That's it. That's it. Every one of you who have faith in Jesus Christ, it came because you heard a truth of the scriptures and God used it to transform your heart. So if you want your friend to have the hope of the gospel, if you want your friend to walk out of guilt and shame, if you want your friend to be forgiven, if you want your friend to enjoy the eternity of heaven, what your friend needs is your faithfulness in sharing the words of Scripture. Now that's where we usually lock up at that point in time. And that's why we're going to have training in our EG groups to learn how to share the gospel. Because it's hard. It's not just memorizing John 3.16. That's helpful, but it's more than that. And we want to help you. Because I just sent you all, and some of you are horribly ill-equipped to this task. I'm still sending you. Go, go, go. Because it's Scripture, but we're going to do our best to equip you. But your friends will not, will not, I want you to get this, your friends will not come to know Jesus by you being nice to them. Your friends are not going to come to know Jesus by you being their friend. Please be nice to them, and please be their friend. But that's not how they come to know Jesus. Your friend is not going to come to know Jesus by you being the opposite of those opposite preachy, judgmental Christians. Please be the opposite of those terrible, preachy, judgmental Christians. But your friends are going to come to know Jesus because you know the Scriptures, you believe them, and you're bold enough to share them with your friends. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ. This is your mission. It's not your option. It's not for the people who are gifted at it. It's not for the extroverts. It's you. Your beautiful and grand mission. And you say, Gordon, I don't bump into any non-Christians. Guess what? You're supposed to be wrecking that lifestyle right now. If you have somehow designed a lifestyle that keeps you from ever bumping into non-Christians, time to wreck it and start a new lifestyle. I get it. You may have a job that's just you and a computer most of your day. You may spend hours in a commute. You may have a day that really doesn't get you in front of a a bunch of people, but we got to find some way in whatever spare time you have to be bumping into non-Christians. We're not called to go and hide. We are called to go. Your feet are beautiful. Your steps are beautiful. Your friendships are beautiful. Now we got to share Jesus with them. Let's look at verse 18. I want you to remember God's work in your life. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for the voice has gone out on all the earth and their words to the end of the world. God proclaims. Now, you may be timid. You may have been fearful of sharing the gospel with someone. It has never prevented one person from coming to know Jesus. God has drawn his people to himself. 
God has ordained and chosen. I knew I had to get some sovereignty in there for you guys so you could get some meat. God has predestined those who are going to know him, but he has also predestined you to be faithful in the proclamation. And God will draw the people to himself. He will. Verse 19, but I ask, did Israel not understand? Remember, this is all in the context of Paul's struggle that his brothers and sisters in Israel do not believe. But I ask, did Israel not understand? For Moses said, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Way, way, way back. Moses told all of Israel, at some point in time, God's going to make you jealous. Because he's going to go find the horrible, pagan, sinful Gentiles. And they're going to believe, and the intention of that was for Israel to be jealous of God's blessing and to seek him out. Does that make sense? God drew people together. Israel was God's people, but they weren't having faith. So God went out and found the people that were not his people, poured out his blessing on them, and the intention was for Israel to be jealous and want that blessing. All the way back in Moses, God spoke through him and told the people, Verse 20, then Isaiah is so bold to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Again, Isaiah said the same thing. Hey, Israel, you don't believe I'm going to go get a bunch of people, a bunch of horrible pagan Gentiles, those people you love to hate, and I'm going to make them cry out, and that should make you jealous. Verse 21, but of Israel, he says, all day long I've held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people couple lessons here for things. First of all, remember, if you have faith in Jesus, remember that you are that person that's been drawn in, okay? In this story, we are the people that God went and got and brought in, okay? Your story is that you're that horrible, pagan, awful Gentile, and God made you a child of God. That's who you are, okay? That's your story. In humility, you're the one that God brought in. But what we see in this is that some are not going to believe. Several years ago, I had the uh, privilege of, uh, there was a local business who asked me to give them some uh, advice on management and stuff. So I, I spent a couple of days at their office. And there was a guy I met there. Um, he was uh, a, a lower level manager. Um, and he struggled with uh, seizures. So he and I immediately connected, right? I connect. His were much worse than mine. His were diabetic seizures that uh, I had put him in a coma a couple of times. And because of this condition, he had a limp, he had a speech impediment, but I really, really liked the guy. He was a good old boy, you know what I'm talking about, just a, just a good old boy, you know, loved his mom, loved America, loved hunting, just, you know what I'm talking about. And I shared Jesus with him. He's like, oh yeah, I grew up in the church. I was like, that ain't getting it done, brother. And so, I mean, I shared Jesus with him, and he's like, no, 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 no. And because of his condition, it led him, unfortunately, into a life of drug use. And ultimately, he lost his job because he was caught doing drugs in the workplace. My heart was broken to hear about this. A couple years later, I got a text from someone I had worked with, and they said, hey, he's in a coma. And a couple days later, I got a text and said that he had passed away. My heart was broken for several reasons. One, just... His good old boyness got in the way of him really having faith in Jesus. I mean, he figured just growing up and going to church on Easter and Christmas with Mama, and he just figured that was faith in Jesus, and it wasn't. 
And sadly, his drug use and every, a few other things ultimately led to his death. And this past week, I was sitting in line to, to pick up Emma from school, and his truck went by. I mean, it's his truck. It was this old Dodge beat up. I mean, it's his truck. It's not someone, I mean, it's one of those trucks, that, you know, it's like my Honda with four colors. You would be like, there's Gordon's car. It was his truck. I guess it was one of his family members, right? And I lied to you not, I sat in the car and I wept for two reasons. First of all, I couldn't even remember his name. I mean, I know him, I can picture him, like even right now. And secondly, as far as I know, he never had faith in Jesus Christ. And he broke my heart. Well, I love that. He was, just a, he was a good old boy. And I'm reminded of this passage when I read it. Because Christ seeks after those who are not seeking him. That's what the passage says. Christ finds that person who is running in the opposite direction of him. You. He seeks you out. And he gives you faith in Jesus Christ so that the people who are not his people are now his people. And you need to remember that story. Like when you're sharing faith in Jesus Christ, that is your story. You didn't seek Jesus out. He sought you out. You didn't earn salvation. You weren't good enough for it. He gave it to you. You heard the words of Christ and you believed. That's your story. Some are not going to believe. Some are going to hear it and reject it and get in hardened hearts. Some are going to think they're too smart for Christianity. Some are going to think that they've got stuff figured out. I mean, uh, again, remember last week we talked about our ancient and tested faith that's been proven faithful? That's what our faith is. We proclaim an ancient and tested faith that's been faithful. And not everyone's going to believe you, and not everyone's going to like you. But your story is that Christ sought you out. You know what our red meat is here? Our red meat here is the gospel. That faith was given to a bunch of people who didn't earn it, didn't want it, didn't deserve it, and it was poured out on you. That's our story. And Israel, it broke Paul's heart. Because Paul didn't love Jesus. Paul hated Jesus. Paul approved the murder of people who believed in Jesus. Paul, in every sense of the word, was a religious terrorist. The word's kind of religious terrorist. He thought he was really good. And God broke, literally broke into his life and gave him faith. And whereas our story may not sound that dramatic, your story is that dramatic. That your dead heart was made alive. Heart of stone was made into a heart of flesh. That's your story. And we must be reminded, like Paul, that we're going to share the gospel and we're going to be rejected we may very well be made fun of and mocked, but you have a beautiful and glorious gospel to share with someone. And before you have all the steps and maybe the best ways and the best practices of sharing the gospel, what you have is the story that you did not have faith and God gave you faith. You did not have forgiveness, but now you have forgiveness. You had shame and guilt and Christ took it away. That is your story. And we're going to have to remember then not everyone will believe. But the beauty of your feet, the beauty of your steps, is that Christ has called you to himself and called you to share Jesus with others. And right now, I'm going to pray 
Because the passage says, how can they believe unless someone's sent? And you're getting sent. I'm praying that God is going to put a disorientation in your life like you cannot imagine. You're going to find more and more opportunities to share Jesus with others. So many that you're going to be like, i got to figure out how to do this. That God would put more and more non-Christians in your life so that your heart is broken and share Jesus with them. And I'm going to pray that's the church that we become. That we have this holy sentness. And I'm praying that with the work we do in our EG groups when we all get together, that we really relish the opportunity to learn how to more effectively share gospel. And the people who are really good at it and gifted at it would take great joy to share with you and disciple you how to do it. And that we would be a church that would enjoy this passage, seeing many and many come to know Christ. Because the meat of this church is the gospel and the hope that we've been saved. And that we have the pathway out of guilt and shame and a pathway towards forgiveness and the hope of eternity. You guys already possess it. And I'm praying now that God would give us the boldness to proclaim it. Let's bow our head. Excuse me. Heavenly Father, thank you. We were a people who are not your people. <clears throat> but you have made us through Jesus Christ your children, sons and daughters of the King. Would we see this beautiful mission not as a burden, but a privilege? And would you bring many to come to know you through your work in us and your work in the world? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.